Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Good morning, good morning. My name is Andrea Simintov, and you are listening to Pull Up a Chair on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Once again, once again, the events of the week, the events that are happening in the Holy Land have hijacked this show. You like the word? Hijacked this show. We like to laugh. We like to hug. We like to hold our hands across the borders, hands across the waters. But our cousins in Ramallah have once again, Erev, on the dawn of Ramadan, done what they do. Today's show, I think I called it, I don't know what I called it, the Chameitz of the Heart, the Heart of Chameitz, we'll talk about that. But it should have been called, Lynette says, because my sister-in-law, Lynette, said to me last night when I said, I can't do it. I can't. I cannot do justice to what it feels like to be so beset, to be again under siege by those who just should give it up, lighten up, embrace the good, find your humanity. How can I do it? And she said, no, no, no. You'll know what to say. You always do, Andrea. We'll see. It will unfold. The organic nature of pull up a chair will happen. And hopefully we'll find some answers. We'll find some way to bridge the gap between hopelessness and it's all good. Because we're going to talk about not unprecedented. Oh, if only they were unprecedented terror attacks in Beersheba, in Hadera, in Bnei Brak, stopped, caught in the action yesterday in the Shukmach Yehuda. Not unprecedented. But we will try to find air pockets as today we share some thoughts and um, hopefully, hopefully see the sun. My name is Andrea Simintov. Guess what? See you on the other side. did a nice Jewish girl from Delaware end up living in Israel? Shalom! I'm Natalie Sapinski. Join me on my show, Returning Home. Meet different people who have moved to Israel. Hear their personal stories, their highs, their lows, and everything in between. Each week, we talk to experts on immigration and the process of moving to Israel. Listen to Returning Home every Thursday, only on Israel News Talk Radio. And we're back. Andrea Simintov, pull up a chair on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Uh, I forgot to throw in our romper room moment, which actually is very meaningful to me. 
We have a beautiful, what a wonderful audience we have today listening live. I know so many are listening to this on podcasts. Uh, wow, what a great medium, right? When used for holy purposes, nothing is better than the internet. Nothing is as ugly and nothing is as wonderful. So let me first say good morning or good night. It's very late in the United States and Canada's listening in. Very nice. Boketov Eretz Yisrael. Stay safe. Enjoy the sun. Korea is with us today. Haven't had you guys in a long time. South Africa. Where were you last week, South Africa? I was looking and looking. All right. Switzerland has joined us. Very nice. Zambia. Russia is with us. And Brazil. Oh, and India is also listening in. Very nice. I have to tell you, it really does give me this warm, fuzzy feeling. I know that I'm kind of a comedian, but not a lot is making me laugh this morning and it's just feeling good. You know, we used to have the chat room and it was very nice when there was a chat room when people used it for holy purposes, but a lot of people kind of were abusing it and the chat room was disconnected because people were coming in and saying all kinds of silliness and arguing and, and sharing religions that aren't ours. And, um, but when it was good, it was good. So hearing that you're knowing that you're there, I love getting your notes, drop me a note. If anything on the show that I say today, uh, you want to take issue with, you want to ask me to expound on it next time, or um, just to tell me a little bit about your life, you can write to me, Andrea at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. That's Andrea, A-N-D-R-E-A, at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. I don't have to spell that to you because that you have memorized, tattooed on your inner thigh. Okay, so for those of you who don't, do not know what happened, I'm going to recap, although if you're listening to the show, you probably are pretty up on happenings of the Middle East. Um, as I said, we are again... Yawn, yawn. If there wasn't blood running in the streets, it really would be a yawn. We are experiencing another round, another Ramadan round, the Ramadan, the Ramadan rumba of um, terrorism, not unprecedented. There have been stabbings and shootings in, I'm just doing it really fast, in Beersheba, in Hadera, in Bnei Brak, in the heartland of Eretz Yisrael, Bnei Brak, Bnei Brak. I mean, really, really, no, very few gun carriers there. Very few. It is a peaceful community. Or you're picking bones in banana. But you know what it is? They're sitting ducks. Because this is, again, an assumption. Because of their general sense of safety, knowing who's in charge. Well, guess what? I'm not even going to mention the murderers' names. They get no airtime from me. But let me let me help you in just some thoughts I had. What are the goals? All right. First of all, these are not. Oh, okay. Drop the mouse. So a lot of things aren't going to be happening today. Um, Here's a quote. I want you to guess where this quote came from, and especially for my American friends and those in Canada and those in the West who really do live these charmed lives and nicely well-earned charmed lives. Here's a quote. One of the great problems with Americans is that being a decent people, they assume that everyone else is equally decent. Anybody Want to pick a bone with that one? That quote, that par of quote, comes from Rabbi Meir Kahana Zatzal. 
who understood what we were dealing with, who believed Arabs and Arab threats, who believed it far more than our American and Western and liberal Israeli counterparts. No, they don't really mean they want to push us into the sea. They don't really want a jihad. They want a jihad of peace. No, 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 no. Rav Meir Kahana understood it. And Yasser Arafat understood it. Lahavdil. What are they trying to achieve? Some guesses. They want to scare away the tourists. COVID abating. Tour guides making their parnasses, enjoying the potential of income. Our busiest time of year, Passover and Easter to force more army and police forces into Arab towns, which helps add to the pressure. I just read last night, read, came across, heard, um, there's going to be such an infuse of financing to quickly race through the cadets in the, in the, um, in the police department to add 4,000 new, not yet well-trained cadets onto the streets and into the villages and into the cities and into the towns and onto the kibbutzim to get Israel to close off the Palestinians from working in Israel, adding to the pressure on the average Arab that just wants to work and feed his family. And one of the things this note doesn't say, it then gets the network, the BDS network going, churning, roiling, Oh, those cruel, crazy, apartheid, mad Israelis who dare to want to live. Now, they don't even look at that sentence. That's an inconvenient truth. To get the Arabs so wound up, so crazed that they go into Ramadan angry again. And so... The cycle continues. The police search their villages just, and it happened, started before land day, land day. Another, you know, none of their holidays are celebrated. None of them dance around the Maypole. You ever notice that? There's no Maypole day. There's no picnics in the park. They're all days of rage. I don't even know. Thank goodness I don't. It's enough that I have a Jewish calendar and a Gregorian calendar. It's peppered enough. If I had to put in all the Arab rage days, I, I, I wouldn't have any time to write in time to shop for Shabbos. These attacks are far more about creating a pressure cooker in the land of Israel than even killing Israelis. Ah, collateral damage. And for those of us who have lived here many, many years, these are just reruns. What are they experts at? These so-called Palestinians? Making their own people miserable. Just miserable a life born in misery, lived in misery, misery around the dinner table. And guess what? There are outs for them. Who among the Arab nations that live in my country will stand up and say enough? I want to hop. I want to take. I want to enjoy. I want to absorb the glory around me. The mazel, the incredible mazel of being an Arab living in the Jewish nation. Takes fortitude. 
takes independence. And yes, it may even take defiance. We can choose our defiance. So my friend asks, I have a friend who just made Aliyah this summer, you know, made it as older people, having their Parnassa, getting their, in, getting their um, what do you call it? They get there, they're living on their social security. So they're pretty safe. They're pretty okay. The kids were raised otherwise. And they say, what can we do? Where can we avoid? How can we stay safe? I'm not going to be so brazen as to say, go where you want. It's our country. Go where you want. These are dangerous times. Last night, I traveled to Beit El, and we had a gun on the seat of the car. Oy va voy lano. I hope that we never have to use it. As my husband said, if we use it and we have to kill to save our lives, there will be an inquiry. You know what? But we'll be alive. But here's my message to American friends who still attempt to convince one another that not living here is the prudent thing to do. A wise choice in troubled times. Shame. This feckless cowardice feeds our eternal enemies, the enemies of the Jewish people. It's this fires the flames of anti-Semitism as those who loathe us see us as weak, unprincipled, ready to chase the easier buck and material comforts of easier diaspora living. Yes, this is uncomfortable. I promised you an uncomfortable show. Every one of us has a chance to be the hero of our own stories a leading man or woman in the epic drama called you. Those kitten-like cries, the mewling of, if only I could, if only I could live in Israel, they fall on injured ears of we Israelis by choice who tie our todays and our tomorrows to the fragile existence of the only Jewish country in the universe. Yeah. We risk physical harm. We risk financial ruin. So what do you gain? We gain a rationale for our existence that is consistent with Torah teaching that can never be acquired in the halls of learning, even the most magnificent ones that have been erected in the diaspora. We have an enemy within who smells a stench of cowardice that emanates from feckless leadership. If we sleep with the enemy, we will get murdered. There's a lot to think about, a lot to talk about, a lot to challenge. There are no easy answers. But you will never hear from this microphone that it is okay to live outside of Israel, that your input is doing more. Come home. I'll see you on the other side. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. 
This is Shai Bentecoa, and each week I'll be webcasting to you from Judea, origin of the word Jew, a people besieged and beleaguered in every generation. Nazi Germany's but a memory, but in its place the world invented the phantom Palestinians as this generation's internationally authorized Jew killers. Tune in for a different slant on life in Israel, Phantom Nation, every Monday. Okay, we're back. Andrea Simintov, pull up a chair, Israel News Talk Radio. Dot com. Looking at these notes, I'm thinking, <laughs> how fired up am I going to get this whole... I, I want to go on to other things. So crazy. I saved things from last week's show that I wanted to talk about. And then again, the show was hijacked. You hear that, Lynette? And um, let's see, this is... Okay, we'll put this in the garbage. Whoa! So um, Germany has joined us. That's very nice. Very nice. Good morning, Germany. Oh, good morning. All right. So um, before we go on to stuff that's a little more Pesach friendly, we're not going to talk. I just want to give you one more picture. And again, decent people think that others will be decent. If we give them clean, if we give those that are impoverished, those that are lucky, if we give them clean clothes, we give them flushing toilets, we give them free education and healthcare, they'll be nice. They'll be grateful. They'll have hakores at all. Okay? Um, doesn't work that way. Um, after the, just just imagine a moment. It's a little, you know, seven in the morning. <laughs> seven thirty. I really got the blood boiling. Um you know, it's not a shock to us here. We see it. It's almost wearying that there were fireworks just the other night. I can't remember which night in uh, the village of uh, Umel Faham in the Galil. Okay, the Galilee, sorry. As well as the city of Jaffa. You know, guess guess who was celebrating? It wasn't the Haredim. It wasn't the B'nai Akiva kids. And last night, I think it was last night, I saw four or five photos of cars stopping in um, Da'ir al-Bala, in the center of Gaza Strip. They were, they were giving out sweets in the streets to the parking cars, horns honking. It was a good day. It was a good night. It's been a good week. Giving out prizes, and there's children in the car, and that's how you do it. Remember the song, the old folk song? You have to be carefully taught. You have to be taught to love and hate. Okay. Not just Woodstock, boys and girls. All right. So um, so I came across, interesting, interesting, interesting to me. Okay. I hope it's interesting to you. So somebody, you know, said to me, it's crazy. You get up here in the morning, you wake up, you brush your teeth, you have your coffee, you steady yourself because you know the facts. You know what you heard. You know that there are families that will never be the same. And for some reason, this time, your particular nuclear family was spared. But instead of breathing a sigh of relief, whoo, it wasn't me. You feel heartbroken because the tapestry of Am Yisrael, Eretz Yisrael, the people of Israel and the land of Israel is one a tapestry. And when there's a murder, when there's poverty, when there's sadness, when there's brutality, the tapestry is compromised and the tapestry is ripped. And I got to tell you, the day that we say, whoa, it wasn't me. Let me go on. We're safe. Tough on them. 
we will have lost that special Jewish humanity that makes us a light unto the nations. And so people then call, God, comfort the families, avenge the savage. May this be the last enough. God's not sleeping. Nevertheless, what I tried to intimate in the first segment, and I will now drive home, not because I'm wise and not because I'm accomplished, but because I'm asking the same questions as everyone and anyone who's listening in. Is there a partnership between us and God? You bet your bippy there is. The entreaties to heaven, they feel empty. They feel anemic. You know, we're coming soon. The weather is changing. And I can smell right after Pesach comes the, uh, what are we talking about? It comes the Holocaust Remembrance Day where we unify. Memorial Day, the Yom Hazikaron, that not one family in Israel has been unaffected by the loss of a precious soldier even if it isn't their blood, it's their neighbor's child. To Yom Ha'atzma'ud, our independent day. And what will happen? My skin will crawl each time I hear those vacuous shouts of, Am Yisrael Chai, never again. Really? Do those words leave us feeling good? Empowered? Safe for another year? to open up the beach season? I'll tell you about safety. The enveloping comfort of the words that ensure that we understand from where our comfort, our safety, and our tomorrows arise. It's not from any governmental office. It's not from Macron's, Rue Saint-Germain or Champs-Élysées, and certainly not from the United Nations or the United States of America. I have my door, my prayer book. It's open right now in front of me. I want you to listen to the English translation, always poorer, but I think it'll take you somewhere, that takes us, takes us on the road to the Shema Yisrael, the rallying cry of every Jewish heart in the morning. This particular prayer is my pit stop on the way to entreating God for protection and clarity. The words say, with our abundant love, have you loved us, Hashem, our God? With exceedingly great pity, have you pitied us, our Father, our King, for the sake of our forefathers who trusted in you and whom you taught the decrees of life? May you be equally gracious to us and teach us. Those words with an abundant love, I've said it before, words were given to us by heaven. We do not have a monopoly on the word love. Hollywood has nothing to teach us about love, the land of failed relationships, failed human behavior. If God says love, 
That's the interpretation. With an abundant love, God believes in us to sit and say, I accept that love, says I accept it with humility. We're soon, those of us listening in, those of us who are Jewish, are going to be celebrating Passover, Pesach. We rid our homes, our homes, our homes of chametz. What does chametz translate to? I don't actually have a translation in front of me, but it's, it's bread stuffs. But it's not just bread stuff. It's yeast filled, filled bread stuff. It's leavened products. Um, it's the bagels. It's the pitot. So cleaning the house for Passover, though, also gives us an opportunity to do a tremendous amount of soul cleansing as well. Because chametz represents not just crumbs on the floor, but it's our negativity, our yetzaharas, our evil inclinations, those aspects of ourselves that we'd like not only to get rid of, but we know would open up the heart space to more concrete, rooted, healthier, and holy interactions. So this is why I came across a very nice article on H.com that talks about that maybe on a deeper level, that's why it's so difficult and cleaning for Passover has such negative connotations because it forces us to come face to face with our chametz, our shortcomings. I don't know about you. I don't want to do that. I'd rather concentrate on tossing out the muffins. So cleaning for Passover has two parts. The first is, you know, the days or weeks. That's normal. But then right before we call our house kosher le Pesach, kosher for Passover, we shut off the lights. We light a candle. We finish off the process of getting rid of our chametz. Because it's then when that insight cleansing happens. You know, the Hebrew word for candle is ner. It's spelled with the letters nun resh. Nun stands for neshama, the soul, and resh stands for ruach, spirit. The light of the candle is indeed the light of the soul. I don't know about you. This year, I'm coming, I'm becoming very aware of things like jealousy and anger. I want it cleansed from my heart, very much so. So if it seems like a big job, okay, God, first of all, know that Hashem, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Holy One, blessed be He, He never runs out of blessings for any of us, but it's a partnership. It's a partnership. The house is not cleaned because we said, please, God, clean the house. Our souls are not purified because we said, God, make us better. The greatest teacher of all time, or one of our greatest teachers, Rabbi Yisrael Salanter says, the loudest sound in the world is the sound of a habit being broken. He also famously said that it is easier to learn the entire Talmud than it is to eradicate one bad character trait. Yeah, it's so hard. 
but it's worth it. Because when we fix our hearts, we fix the entire world. My name is Andrea Simintov. I'll see you on the other side. Hi, I'm Rabbi David Aaron. The soul basics are the most profound, the most essential, and yet often the most neglected in our education. Join me for Soul Talk on Israel's News Talk Radio and discover the secrets to love, spiritual growth, and personal power. We're back. Andrea Simintov, pull up a chair on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. I'm excited getting up to Pesach. You know, it just denotes it's a change in season and it's a change to be. You know what? I'm excited with all the Jewish holidays. I love all of them. They're all so purposeful. They're all so, how do I dare I say it? God loving. You know, it reminds me that I'm not here by accident, and that I have a job to do. Imagine being able to impart that to our children. That seems to me to be the greatest purpose in our lives, to impart that to our children. And if we don't have children, to be the living embodiment of all that is good, all that is God-centered, and all that is worthy of imitation and emulation. Just, I kind of like this season. Oh, the cleaning, the cleaning, big deal. <laughs> big deal. Chametz is not dust. Chametz is only as it relates to heaven. All right. So in this week's Parsha, Torah portion, we talk about one of the primary um, commandments of Judaism <clears throat> is to marry and to have children. Interesting because in this day and age, marriage has kind of fallen out of favor people practicing zero population growth. You know, in the Garden of Eden, Gan Eden, we say, we find Adam and Chava. They're blessed by God and told to procreate and fill the world with people. For the Jewish people, having children has become a demographic necessity, even though it's nearly, what is it, 75 years since World War II? And the resultant Shoah, that Holocaust, we still have not yet made good on those immense losses in terms of our population. Of course, why? I mentioned already, there's a lower than average birth rate among non-observant Jews. Sadly, I myself, I'm a statistic. There's a very high rate of divorce. Later in life marriages. That was me, but, you know, that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> okay. And also an increasing population of singles. I see it in my own orbit, and I know that listening in, so many of us can relate. The ravages of assimilation and intermarriage also play, play a great part in the reality that Jews can hardly replace themselves, let alone make up for the deficit that happened in the Nazi war machine. So here we have again the Torah playing this, placing this very high priority on children. It sees children 
not only in the physical continuity of the Jewish people, but also the spiritual and heavenly connection that we talk so often about that transcends our lifespan. The rabbis, they commented regarding our father, Yaakov, as long as his descendants were alive and functioning, then he himself was also still alive. It's why today we call ourselves B'nai Yaakov, B'nai Yisrael. Seeing ourselves somehow past the grave is that hallmark of Judaism and of the Jewish people. I know it's a sign of spiritual maturity when instead of being terrified of death, we think about what we may merit to live to see and what will probably occur after our sojourn on this world is completed. But we think of it not with terror, but with a sense of comfort and knowledge that God's way is the right way. That concept of an immortal soul is reinforced by being able to project ourselves forward in time, living in a sense, I think the word is like vicariously, um, figuratively, vicariously in the lives of our offspring and those who come after us. That's what I'm talking about. Even if we do not physically experience birthing children, we have the ability to be the embodiment, walking, living, breathing Torahs. Raising children, not easy. (laughs) I'm going through quite a chapter here at this end. Uh, We also know that a parent remains a parent for your entire life. So, you know, one of the subtle messages conveyed at the beginning of this week's reading, you know, the Torah speaks of uh, impurity, sacrifice, isolation of the mother after the birth of a child. The Torah indicates that these are factors that are unavoidable in raising and nurturing children. You know, in all of human society, it's natural. It's, it's, It's typical for parents to do everything possible to give their children a good and healthy life. Stories of parents doing the opposite are aberrant. Stories of parents hurting their children, setting themselves up for failure, setting up their children for failure and for dismal existences. Not only is it aberrant, it must remain aberrant. Those parents who do not have the instinct to nurture their children must continue to be shunned in society. We know they're even liable to criminal punishment for neglect, abuse. This is the reason maybe that the Torah gave women such a strong maternal instinct and the desire to have children. We are the possessors of that little organ called a rechem, a womb. The word rechem forms the root, the root of the word mercy, rachmanut. If we say that a man is merciful, he isn't biologically merciful because he doesn't possess a womb. But it means most likely that he has good relationships with women. He may indeed be the father of daughters or a beloved son to a moral and holy woman. Rachmanut 
mercy is indeed the purview of women. The rabbis in Avot, the book of the fathers, correctly state that the reward is directly commensurate with the effort and sacrifice. It's certainly true as far as children and generations of the Jewish future is concerned, whether or not we merit to see it in our own lifetime. Okay, so here we have something I wanted to share with you. Um, Let's see, the human body, subject to all sorts of pressures that affect our health and well-being. Modern medicine, this is also, it's all Torah, baby. Modern medicine has shown us how mental moods, stress, psychic disturbances, can you hear my breathing? <laughs> I checked my coffee too fast, forgive me. Um, you have to suffer. So, <laughs> as mod- you know, modern technology has exploded in our time. And in spite of all of its advantages, our advantages with everything that's going on in modern medicine, that mind-body connection remains as prevalent as it did in ancient times. And certainly, as the show opened up, here in Israel, the stress levels are always high. Israelis are crazy with the rage and the anger. You know, the actual rebuilding process of the Jewish people is felt daily in myriad ways. It's an emphatic lesson of our society. And the Torah adds another dimension of activity, which can and did have physical effects at the beginning of our history as a nation. When you talk about the plagues described in the Torah reading, their physical manifestations defy any easy and rational explanation. The Torah spends a great deal of time detailing, outlining the physical manifestations of what it was to purify the body and the mind in order to arrest and cure disease. The Torah kind of hammers home that a disease that is caused by spiritual failure is as much causes physical malfunction. It has to be cured by repairing the spiritual breach that originally caused it. Perhaps that's where our, our chametz efforts are coming into play. Because of this truth, it's a spiritual priest, the defendant of Aharon, who becomes a key catalyst in the process of recovery and rehabilitation. You know, the Torah, I always said, the Torah is really the original hippie document. The Torah really is the truest practitioner of holistic medicine, aiming to cure not only the mind or the body, but also the soul and the spirit of a human being. You know, before we go, and I say my whole good Shabbos speech, I want to touch a couple of points that we may want to bring about to our Shabbos tables this week. Rabbi Avraham Tversky, in his book, Smiling Each Day, says, a person is judged according to the way he relates to others. If you cannot overlook minor infractions that others have done to you, how can you expect Hashem to forgive minor infractions that you have committed in front of him? I think that's important. Followed by Rabbi A.Z. Friedman in the book, Well Springs of Torah, who says a man can immediately see the faults of others, but not his own. 
and he finds the faults of strangers more readily than those of his own kin. In the same vein, my favorite, Rabbi Zelig Pliskin, he quotes the Chafetz Chaim saying, one of the main reasons a person speaks against others is because he feels that he is superior to them. If a person is truly aware of his own faults, he will not seek out the faults of others. My friends, his abundant love is upon us. Be humble. Shabbat Shalom Umivorach from Jerusalem. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. Just click the orange button at the top of the IsraelNewsTalkRadio.home page, log in as yourself or an anonymous guest, and join in on the fun. You'll meet other listeners from all over the world who listen to Israel News Talk Radio, and you can make new friends. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. It's the closest you can get to being in the studio with us. We love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Where can you get the inside news on Israel? At Israel News Talk Radio, we're dedicated to sharing Israel's inside story with the world by providing our listeners with news on Israeli politics, current affairs, and Israeli Jewish culture. The Israel News Talk Radio homepage also provides you, the listener, with useful information at your fingertips with scrolling news headlines, weather, currency exchange, Shabbat candle lighting times, and so much more. Our radio programming is always accessible and on demand. We operate absolutely free of charge for everyone, everywhere. If you love what we do, partner with us now by becoming an Israel News Talk Radio supporter. With your support, you'll be inscribed on our Israel News Talk Radio Wall of Fame. There's nothing like us in the world. Be part of something great. Israel News Talk Radio. Straight talk from Israel. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel. Plus, little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. 